You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Let's give it up for the worship team. Oh, my goodness. Come on, you guys. You can clap for yourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Just leading us into that place of intimacy. Whew. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, today, I want to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, that um, I feel that I I do carry, and that uh, um, I hope to impart to uh, not only the people here, but also to everyone watching. Today, I want to talk about hope. (laughs) We're going to talk about um, not just what it means, but uh, how we can gain it and also how we can maintain it. And uh, the the thing that we're going to discuss is not only hope as the world sees it, but also biblical hope the thing that we want to focus our attention on. So hope, defined in the dictionary, is the joyful and confident expectation of good, to cherish or desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or to be true. That's just good in itself. But... Up until, huh, I don't know, just a few years ago, I always kind of thought that hope was sort of a weak thing, that you're, you're, you're desiring something to happen. And oftentimes we find ourselves um, watering down hope because we want it to match our immediate desires or our current level of expectation that we have. Sometimes we catch ourselves saying or thinking, wow, I hope today is a good day. <laughs> I hope it doesn't rain today. Something I've said many times in the years past, I hope this check doesn't bounce. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was my relationship with the word hope, is that, that I just desired something to happen. Um, it's more, in that sense, the word hope is more of a wish or a want. And then sometimes we sabotage the very thing that we're hoping for. Have you ever done this? Because I know I have. I hope this meeting I'm going to have today goes well, but I doubt it. So-and-so really has it out for me, or we just don't see eye to eye. (laughs) This ain't going to work. So, again, that's kind of a... It's, it's a wish for something to happen, for something good, but it, it's not an expectation. It's not, I'm anticipating this day to be really good. I'm anticipating with expectation that something good is going to happen today. That's what we have to have to truly experience hope. It must be a confident expectation of something good. Now, biblical hope works hand-in-hand with faith. 
faith is a conviction that we have. I know, I believe such and such. I trust that this thing will happen. So faith is a belief. Hope is the expectation or the anticipation that that thing's going to happen. Hope, as, as we sang today, <laughs> hope is in the waiting. It's the waiting portion of faith. Anticipation is being a, um, a pleasurable expectation that something's going to happen. So in today's discussion, we're going to see how faith and hope really work hand in hand. They're two sides of the same coin. Um, you can't really successfully have one without having the other. It's been said that hope is the soil that faith grows in. So we have to have one planted firmly and securely in the other. Let's look at a, at a good example of hope. Um, Abraham was called the, uh, the father of our faith. Abraham had some huge promises in his life. Some he saw fulfilled, some he didn't. But let's take a look at Romans chapter 4, and we're going to cover a lot of scriptures today because I want to show um, the basis for this belief. And uh, honestly, I just want to share with you guys some of the things that just out and out intoxicates me. Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. Speaking about Abraham, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since, dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God. Against all hope, Abraham believed. In hope, he believed. Or some translation actually rendered that, that Abraham believed in hope. It works both ways. He believed in hope. Why? Because it was all focused and centered upon his belief in God. What was the promise? The promise was that Abraham was going to have a child. Him and Sarah were childless. They were barren. Now, Abraham was about 75 years old when the promise that he was given that he was going to have a son. And Sarah was 65. They carried that promise. Their faith led them for 25 years before the promise was fulfilled. 25 years. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Wow. To carry a hope and to believe and to have faith in something without doubt for 25 years. That's what the Bible says about Abraham. 
we can see why he's called the father of our faith. Why was Abraham able to do this? It's because his hope, his expectation, his anticipation was the one was in the one who promised. Every time I hear that word anticipation, it, I'm, I'm showing my age, people. It uh, goes back to a t- television commercial. I think it was like back in the 70s of Heinz Ketchup. And, and they're showing, they're singing the song Anticipation, and they're pouring this ketchup out, and it's coming out so slow. But it, it is. It's the anticipation of something good. And 25 years is a long time to wait. But yet he did. So, Psalms 39 verse 7 tells us where Abraham placed his hope. And we're going to reference this verse several times today. It says, and now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Psalms 39 7. I hope I said that right. Psalms 39 7. His hope was in God. And it makes the waiting endurable. And to be even to successfully progress and move forward during that time. Now, a set, another verse that we're going to consider. Um, it, it, sometimes it may sound a little bit contrary to what we're talking about, but not really. It's in Proverbs 13, 12, where it says there, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is the tree of life. So are these opposing verses? No, because it begs us to ask the question, where is our hope at? What does our hope rest in? With Abraham, it rested in God. Biblical hope is anchored in the unmovable, um, the immutable, and the undestructible nature and goodness of God. We focus and we set our eyes, we fix our eyes on the one that we just sang about, that he's never failed us. Our next verse that, that is talking about hope is one that um, when I, 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 I discovered it when I first became a Christian and it completely just blew me away. Hebrews 6.19 In the New King James Version, it says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into the presence behind the veil. Wow. Think about that. Allow that to soak in for a moment. Because it shows that our hope in God is supernatural. It's something that cannot be explained. Because it enters beyond the veil of our flesh into the very heavenly presence of God himself. And I, there's sometimes I, I like uh, um, looking up different translations of the Bible to, to see how other um, scholars have worded this. In the NLT, it says, it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. The Message Bible says, an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. 
The contemporary English version reads it, Hope reaches out behind the curtain and into the most holy place. (laughs) The voice renders it that hope is real and true, an anchor to steady our restless souls, a hope that leads us back behind the curtain to where God is. Hope in God is, is sometimes it's, it's hard to explain because it surpasses all things, because it connects to the very one who created us, who loves us so much. So hope indeed is a very desirable thing to have. To carry hope within us, it, it, um, I can say that hope is kind of messy because when we have it, it spills out and gets all over everybody else around us. Hope is an influencer. People are drawn to hopeful people. It just, you see it all the time. They grab on to somebody that, that believes we're going to get through this. And this is going to work out and we're going to be fine. People will grab onto that because it's an anchor for themselves. Steve Backlund says, he who has the most hope has the most influence. So, really, hope is too much for us to contain for ourselves. We got to let it out. And other people will see it. Other people will be affected by it, whether we know it or not. It's there. So how can we maintain our hope and even increase the level of hope that we have? It goes back to a couple of verses that we already read. Psalms 39.7 and Proverbs 13.12. What am I waiting for? My hope is in you. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. These verses show two types of expectation that we can have. The word expectation is is kind of neutral because you can be an expectation of something good or you can be an expectation of something bad. But our one in Psalms 39.7, it shows that our, our expectation, our hope is in God. On the other, the expectation is in whatever we put our desire on, whatever that may be. Again, good or bad. So for the rest of our discussion this morning, let's examine what it is that we put our hope in. So I'm going to ask a few questions. And it'll just be a personal examination to see how we can um, strengthen the hope that is within us. So three questions. We'll ask the questions and then we'll look at them individually. So first question, what is our view of God? Question two, how do we see the world, the events, the environment that is around us? And three, what are we feeding our faith? Question one, what is our view of God? 
Nahum 1.7 gives just a very clear and succinct answer for that. It says simply, the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. God is good. End of discussion. We could wrap this up right now. God is good. It should be the one non-negotiable item in our lives. Is everything is based upon the goodness of God. We must feed that, that, that truth into our minds, into our souls, and meditate on his goodness. Now, this morning, um, we don't have time to cover all the ways of God's goodness. I mean, there's been entire ministries, people's lives have been dedicated to focusing on the goodness of God. But let's just consider one. Jesus was sent by God to bring us into an intimate relationship with him. That one thing in itself shows and proves that God is good. Consider that. Meditate on that. Think about it. Look into it. Read the scriptures about it. If we want to spend time, you know, looking uh, more deeply into the goodness of God, consider reading the book of Psalms. In Psalms, it covers like the full range of human emotion, just about every situation that you could imagine, good and bad. Um, the psalmists talk about it. I, I love David's psalms because it, there, there seems to be a, like a, a certain theme behind them because many times David will open up the psalm talking about the hopelessness of a situation, how these people are, are threatening him, how his enemies have gathered around him, how they're wanting to kill him, how they're wanting to destroy him. And then he, he talks about just just all these things that seem um, unbearable. And then about halfway through it, that same psalm, David will change his focus. And he'll talk about the goodness of God, his protection, his loyalty, his power, his love for his people. And then he'll praise God. He'll praise him and glorify him. Oftentimes, those are the situations that we find ourselves in. We may see a situation as being hopeless, that, that, <laughs> that, that this is not going to end well. <laughs> but when we focus our attention on God, that situation becomes full of hope. There are no hopeless situations in any of our lives. So that God is good, now we're going to get into the hard stuff. Because that, that God is good, we most clearly see that during times of trouble. When we're in distress, that's when we see God rise up and, and his goodness is done in our behalf. <laughs> you know, show me a man that's run out of options. And I'll show you a desperate man. <laughs> but desperation is not necessarily a bad thing. 
because sometimes when we're in, in trouble, that's the only way that we can see that God has the answer. That's when we see and experience his goodness firsthand in our lives. Sure, you know, we can read in, in the Bible or um, in, in other people's lives when they tell us about it, the things that God has done, or we can read books about things that God has done. We can fill ourselves with all kinds of knowledge about the goodness of God. But it's when we experience his goodness during times of trouble, during difficult situations, that it becomes more than just knowledge. I know God is good because he got me through this. Now we're the one given the testimony. Now we're the one relaying to someone else how God is good has been good to us in uh, um, um, whatever situation that we've dealt with. So in his goodness, I'm going to tell you a surprising statement here. God was not caught off guard or surprised by COVID-19. He, he it's, it's like, whoa, didn't see that coming. He was not shaken by it. He's not... He was not surprised or shaken by any of the after effects to the economy, to any of our um, situations that we've dealt with. But do we see still how God has been good in our lives? This, the areas that we've seen God's goodness displayed on our behalf, meditate on that. Write it down. It's surprising that we're, we're in a difficult situation. How easy it is to forget how, how good God is and how he's brought us out of a situations in the past. By experiencing his goodness, it will anchor our hope that in future situations, he will act in our behalf. And... Uh, um, He's going to take care of our needs. So, so God is good. How do we see that? How has he been good in your life? Question two. So how do we see the world around us? Oh, Lord. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. Call me home, Jesus. Get me out of this God-forsaken world. <laughs> well, and, and you hear people say that. I can't wait for Jesus to come and call me home. Now I'm going to show you something that kind of contradicts this thinking. And it's a verse that every Christian and most non-Christians know. John 3, 16, the most common verse in the Bible. It shows us how God sees the world. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loves the world. He doesn't want any to die. 
The Greek word cosmos that was used in that verse for world, it means earth, universe, everything in it, everything. God loves us in our mess. So much so that he sent Jesus so that we could have a good life, a happy life, a hopeful life, a joyful life, a peaceful life. He loves us that much. No matter what's going on or what we've done in the past. And it's not just for us. It's for every person that has ever lived on the face of this planet or will live. That's, again, an unmovable statement, an indestructible statement, because regardless of what's going around us, such as a pandemic or um, regardless of, of what we're dealing with, sickness, disease, um, death in our family, family relationships, um, financial, losing our job, it doesn't matter. God loves us in our mess, and he wants us to have a good life. So, but if we don't see the world the same as God does, and if we don't have hope for this world, how will we be able to complete the Great Commission of go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations? Let me, let me break this down further, because it says make disciples of all nations. But God loves this world so much, he doesn't want anyone to die. 2 Peter 3.19, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Nobody to perish. He wants everyone to be saved, to receive salvation, to have a good life, a happy life, a hopeful life, a joyful life, and a peaceful life. So when we view the world, um, our surroundings, events that are happening in the world, the way that God does, we can remain blissfully hopeful in any crisis. Let me, let me go a little bit even stronger that, that we can remain hopeful to the point that we can say in the midst of all the craziness that's going on around us that may have even touched us, you know what? This is the best season of my life. This is the best season of my life. We were made in God's image and he wants us to be more like him. You know, as, as humans, being made in the image of God, we are so complex. Who knows the mind of God? But we have the mind of Christ. And we're made in that image, something that is so deep, you can't, you can't fathom just how deep God is. And we are like that. So, as we are created like Him... There are so many facets to our lives. There, there are areas in our personalities that we may not even be aware of. How often have you heard a story where people are, are uh, um, 
um, lauding a, a hero. You know, where there's a car accident and this person driving by stops his car and he gets out and he goes in and he rescues and saves the life of, of the people in the car, pulls them out. And people are calling him a hero. And he says something like, well, I don't see that it was anything special. It was, you know, I, I don't consider myself a hero. I just, I just did it. I didn't even think. I just did it. You know what? I would imagine that that guy probably didn't even know that was in him until that situation happened. It happens. Stuff like that happens all the time. So until certain situations occur, either around us or to us, and, and some of these situations may be uncomfortable, they may be painful, but it may bring things out of us that we didn't even know was there. The other people are just, whoa, they're amazed by. And the funny thing is, they probably have that same thing inside them too, but it's just not manifesting at that moment. Yeah. So let me say, crisis is not going to change or it, it, it will not define my destiny. It will change, perhaps, my view of the journey, but none of this, again, was a surprise to God. None of what we're going through. Well, some may say, well, if you catch the virus, that'll change your destiny. No. It's, it will not. And it's not going to change my legacy either. No matter what happens, because my destiny, my journey, and my legacy are wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. Whatever I leave behind on this world, it's, it's for him, it's by him, and it is to him. It's all for him. My focus is on him and making him famous, not for me. It's not going to change my destiny. Regardless of what we're going through, this is the best season. This is the best time of your life. You know, right now, you are impacting people. You are influencing people that you're not even aware of. And I'm talking about more than just your Facebook friends. These people may not even know your name. You may just momentarily meet them at the grocery store. It may just be that just that one moment of time, and you have no idea what the outcome is. And you have no idea what God's doing in their lives. I think these things keep us humble because we just don't know. But we're impacting people nonetheless. People view us, I mean everyone, as, as individuals in ways that um, we, we may not even be aware of. So because of that, I believe every season that we go through is the best one. I always, <laughs> I always say that at the, be, at the beginning of the year, going you know, toward the end of December. Oh, this next year is going to be the best year of my life. We're going to do this and we're going to do that, but it's going to be the best thing. And a lot of times the things that I'm anticipating don't happen, but the one statement was true. Oh, this next year is going to be the best year of my life. 
because it is. Because, again, we are so complex. We're in the image of God. He's doing things in us. Sometimes we're not even aware of what it is. But he is doing it. Whoa. All seasons, all events, all environments that we walk in are flush with opportunity. So why am I waiting for a particular event to happen when there's so much I can learn from right now? There's so many people I can impact right now, but I'm looking forward to a certain event, to my destination in a certain area of life. And then I become disappointed when it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen when I think it is. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Is my hope in God or is my hope in that event? Serious, I mean, hard questions to ask. So why am I waiting? Psalms 37.9. Boy, I hope I keep saying that verse right. It says, somebody can look that up just to make sure. Um, it says, and now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. There are people that God will send to you that you will come across in this season because of where you're at at this season, at this place in time. God has put something in you to influence that person now. The same is true for times past. So often, um, like back when we was first Christians, we're like, oh man, somebody should have locked me up because of my attitude, because of the things that I said, because of how I saw God. And it, that's not true. Because there were people that God was having you influence at that time that you probably wouldn't influence now. I don't care about religion. I don't care. It doesn't matter. God is bigger than that. God affects people's lives regardless of how we're seeing things or because we're immature. People's lives are still being touched. It's not only true of our past, it's true right now, and it's true in the future. Why? Because we are in the image of God, and God is good. <laughs> End of discussion. <laughs> Can I drop the mic? <laughs> Esther 4.14 is, is a scripture that is repeated quite often. Who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this? Personally, I don't view that as a verse for an event. That is a verse that is continual. Who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. So often we, we think, I, I think that God places different people in different seasons or in different times, different ages, we think back, what, 70, 80 years ago to what was called the greatest generation, the people that went through World War II. And we see the suffering, the sacrifice 
that these people did. I mean, they, they were, the government was rationing butter, meat, tires, gasoline. There was curfews. But people did this stuff willingly. And, and think of, of the people, the Gold Star families, the people that lost loved ones during this time. Sometimes entire families were lost in this country. But you know what? And we think, wow, how did they do it? Well, you know, God raised that, that generation, that people for that time. Those are the same people that went through the Great Depression. It's the same people that suffered through the, the, uh, the Dust Bowl. Man, they were tough. And they lived through it. And they succeeded and were standing where their floor was, where their ceiling was. We're standing on that. Oh, you're going to love this. 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We are looking in a mirror and we're seeing the glory of God. And by seeing that, we're being transformed into that same image. We're going from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are so complex because we're made in the image of God. Encounters with God will always change us. We may not see, we may not understand what he's doing, and we may never know until that moment that something happens that we didn't anticipate, but it happens, and we're able to change our life or somebody else's life or save people's life. You don't know. It's not for us to judge when people are having encounters with God. Because I don't know what God is doing. We may never find it, find out. But something is happening. And because we are so complex as his created uh, beings, we know one thing. That we are continually being transformed into that very image that moves us from glory to glory. Because it says that we're going from glory to glory. That's why I know that when I first became a Christian... It was good because I revealed and I carried the glory of God. I'm not ashamed of it. I moved forward. I have grown. I have matured, which means I've gone from one glory to another. It just keeps getting better and better and better. When we focus on the joy of the journey of our life instead of the destination, it will bring us hope in times of perceived trouble. I say perceived trouble. So how do we view the world around us? How do we view the environments that we found ourselves in? Um, I remember when I was first, when I was a, uh, first a Christian um, and, I, and at work, I would spend time reading. When I wasn't working, I was always reading my Bible, reading a book or, or whatever. And the reason being, honestly, is because I was afraid to engage with other people. But God was doing something in me. Don't be afraid 
to engage with people. You are carrying something in you that is going to change somebody's life. And I'm speaking to somebody. I'm thinking, I believe I'm speaking to you more than one person that you are carrying something that is going to change somebody's life even this week. All right, let's move on to the third question. What are we feeding our faith? Whoo! We said earlier, I'll get through this. Faith and hope work together. We can't have one without the other. So, what nutrients are we putting into the soil of hope? What are we putting in our soil of hope so that faith will grow? And not only grow, grow strong and multiply. I love this quote from Bill Johnson. He says, if we take in more of the world's media than the word of God, then our discouragement is self-inflicted. Bam. <sighs> if we take in more of the world's media than the word of God, then our discouragement is self-inflicted. I'm sorry, probably could be that I'm the first one to tell you this, but fear sells. It's in the media all the time. There used to be a declaration in the newspaper business that if it bleeds, it leads. That's what people want to focus on. The world media is focused on negative, pessimistic, and dystopian agendas. Look that word up. Pessimism feeds our fear. So what should be our focus? The word of God. Because what God says is truth. No matter how delusional it may sound in the environment around us. That, that's why I've quoted so many scriptures. So you know that this isn't just Joe Wilson talking. This is what the Bible says. This is what God says. How do you think Abraham looked to his neighbors? Or to people that were around him that... He's in his 90s. Yep, we're going to have a boy. <laughs> we're going to have a child. Yep, yeah, me and Sarah. Yeah. And you know what? They're going to grow into a mighty nation. And that all the nations of the world are going to be blessed by my family. <laughs> Can you imagine how delusional that sounds? 75, 85, 95 years old saying this. God is greater. If I sound delusional, whatever. When we have hope, when we feed our hope, on the things of God, rather than the things of the world, we have peace. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Have you thought about what that means? Peace is not the absence of, of conflict, the absence of war, the ab absence of bad things happening. 
peace is the presence of someone. Peace is the presence of God. Peace that surpasses all understanding. If it surpasses my understanding, I don't get it. (laughs) And that's the point. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to my mind. But God says this is true. So we, as difficult as it may sound or as delusional as it may sound, we got to let go of what makes sense to us. Jesus, let's give you an example. Jesus is with his disciples. They're in a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Galilee is surrounded, the the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by mountains. A storm can come down upon, come over the mountains and come come down, just whooshing down the side of the mountain over the Sea of Galilee in no time at all. And to everyone's surprise. So Jesus is in this boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and he's asleep. The storm comes up. What does Jesus do? He remains asleep during all of this. How does he do that? Jesus told us. Again, it sounds delusional, right? Even his disciples said, Lord, don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus said at John 8.23, he said, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Where Jesus was from, there were no storms. There were no things to rob us of our peace. Jesus had this connection with God while he was on the earth that he only did what he um, heard the Father doing, only, yeah, what he saw the Father doing, and only spoke the things that the Father told him. That connection. I mean, that has to happen in, in, a, in a flash. Conversations come up. A person comes up and they, they need healing. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing, and I only speak the things I hear the Father saying. So it's, it's the same for us, that we have that connection with God, that we realize um, there are no storms in heaven. I don't care if it's a literal storm or the storm of a pandemic, the storm of losing our jobs, the storms of, of people getting sick. It, it, it's, it's not in heaven. Remember I said that we are in the image of God? Ephesians 2.6 shows how it, what is going on with Jesus is the same for us. Ephesians 2.6 says, And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where we're at, there are no storms. regardless of what's going on in the environment or the world around us. So to have hope is to have peace because we're expecting something good to happen 
because God is good. When we believe that, we sleep peaceably at night. We influence others with hope, joy, and it pours out of us. No matter how how you may be seeing it, it is influencing people around you. So, back to our question. What are we feeding ourselves? Psalms 1-2 tells us to meditate on the word day and night. The Hebrew word for meditate means to mutter. It can mean from, from just mumbling, speaking it to ourselves under our breath, or it can be announcing it publicly. The word of God is on our minds. We're thinking about it. We're mulling over it. We're seeing how it works in us. It sounds like declarations, making declarations. It is. We are declaring this is true. And you know what? It may not feel true. I don't care really how we feel because our feelings don't care about our future. Our feelings don't determine what is real. Our feelings determine what we believe. Okay? So, when we declare things based upon the word of God, no matter how delusional it may sound, when we take it in, we, we stew on it, we chew on it, and then we spit it back out to the world around us. By us saying, just saying the word, we feel the presence of God. It makes us stronger. There is spirit on the things that we're speaking. And even if, you know, I've been over this and been over it and been over it, um, and it just, it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel real to me. Give it time. Keep doing it. I'll, I'll tell you something personal that happened to me this morning. I was healed in an area of my heart, emotionally, that I've been waiting for for years. And I know he healed me because I felt it lift. I've never stopped hoping, but it happened. If it happens to me, it'll happen to you. Philippians 4.8. What should we spend our time on? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue... And if there is anything praiseworthy, worthy, meditate, stew, chew, mumble. Meditate on these things. Consider them. Weigh them over and over. If you do these things that I mentioned, these three questions, we know what hope as it's defined in the scriptures means. The three questions, if we consider over and over the goodness of God, 
we consider that God loves the world so much that no matter what season you find yourself in, it is your best season. And if we consider feeding ourselves on God's word, on his presence, on his spirit, in in worship, in prayer, if we feed ourselves on that, hope will grow. The nutrients in our soil of hope will be so fertile, faith can't help but grow in it. So if you do these things, you too will have hope. I pray a blessing over everyone that is watching on on Facebook, everyone here in the name of Jesus Christ for hope to grow, for fear to go, an impartation of, of things, of good things that God has put into all of us, that we are all made in his image, and we're going, we are going from glory to glory. The Bible doesn't say if, it says we are in his image. We are moving from glory to glory. God is good. Hope is good. It brings us joy in the storm. If you are in need of prayer, if you haven't discovered these things for yourself personally, and you feel like you need prayer, we um, even though we're going to start up next week, but um, you can we still have means for people to contact you. Uh, you can email support at revivetheworld.us or healing center at revivetheworld.us and send us an email and leave us your information and how you want us to contact you. And we will have people get a hold of you either through the phone. We can do Zoom, however you want, to contact you, to pray with you, to impart the hope of God in your life. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for for being with us this morning. God bless you all. It's going to be a great week. (laughs) God is good, yes. Thank you, everyone. In Jesus' name, bless you all. And have a great week and see you Wednesday. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.